everybody. Hope you are keeping well. It is now Monday, uh, 7 o'clock uh, p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. And I'm really happy that you are back with us again. My name is Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder of BSTL. And of course, by now you should know that BSTL stands for Building Something That Lasts. So anyways, I'm excited. Um, and I got to tell you, um, I don't always get excited, but I am excited because my guest today, Heimers Wilson, he has as much but a little bit less uh, gray hair than I do. And so it's good that the gray hair bandits, so to speak, are here on BSTL. Heimers, welcome. Hey, thank you very much, Andre. Glad to be here. Yeah, and I'm happy to have you um, on our podcast, okay? So this is going to be exciting. Um, and before I forget, like, there's a formality, so I have to stick with this thing. Um, mm -hmm. Look, tell us one or two things about who you are, and then we're, we're going to get into this conversation because it's going to be a good one today. Well, at my age, I've done a lot of uh, different things. Um, I have uh, started off life you know, working on a business studies degree. Then I became a minister. Then I uh, got into counseling, became a full-time counselor and a manager of counselors. Nice. And then I uh, am now in retirement. I have become a background performer. So uh, with a, a designation of uh, an additional actra background performer. Nice. So, so that's what I, you're a big deal. In, in other words, yeah. you're a big deal. So um, I wanted to make sure that before you head all the way out to Hollywood that I would get your um, <laughs> signature or autograph, whatever that looks like. And if not, um, I also have this uh, soundbite as well as the video as well. So um, Heimers, um, mm -hmm. on this podcast, uh, we talk about all things uh, leadership, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, I think in the 21st century, one of the things that this planet seems to be yearning for is strong leadership. And of course, leadership has um, different nuances and it looks uh, different depending on where you are. But, you know, the goal of this is to talk about leadership from a positive perspective. You know, there are some people who thrive as leaders, um, but some of their methodologies um, maybe not so ethical. And so we want to stay away from those things. Um, but we want to talk today about the fallacy of legacy. So one of the, the words that I hear a lot these days is people talking about legacy. And when they talk about legacy, it's often, you know, what are you going to leave? You know, what is your mark going to, to be um, after you retire or after you transition out of wherever it is, is that you're working? And sadly, in terms of my perspective, and look, on this podcast, you can disagree with me if you want to. I think sometimes what ends up happening is people spend so much time trying to create a legacy for themselves that what they leave behind are fragments and pieces that those that are still there after they've transitioned have to continue to work with. And so I wanted to have this conversation with you because you have led in various capacities. And of course, now that you're doing this acting thing, you're behind the scenes, but still in front of the camera, so to speak. So we want to talk about this legacy building. And I know we're going to talk about, you know, this thing that you call managerial tinkering. You know, that's mm -hmm. a new social construct. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. that's all the way from the UK. But maybe mm -hmm. you want to just lead us a little bit in terms of what you want to talk about as it relates to this legacy building thing. Yeah, well, early in my life, I became, I was working on a business studies degree, as I said earlier, and uh, part of that uh, uh, involved 
doing a placement, a one-year placement at Ford Motor Company mm-hmm. in in, uh, in Brentwood, Essex, in England. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed that there were the managers uh, who prided themselves on being um, hard-ass, um, mm-hmm. if you excuse the expression, mm-hmm. who pride themselves on being ruthless. And it, it occurred to me very early on, and I would have been in my 20s at that point, that being ruthless was not a good managerial style mm-hmm. because it didn't really engender uh, a, a feeling of, of wanting to work your hardest in, in those, those situations. You were working out of a sense of fear mm-hmm. of that manager who was ruthless. Yeah. And uh, fast forward to, uh, to my time working as a counsellor, um, I, I saw managers come and go and mm-hmm. managers would just, uh, they would, they would institute uh, um, uh, new changes ruthlessly mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. they just wanted to make, leave their mark on, on, on the organization. They wanted to, to be able to say, well, you know, I came in, I, I did something that was different mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to make sure that people remembered me afterwards. Yeah. Well, uh, in in many cases, it wasn't done with a lot of thought. It right. wasn't done with a with an eye to well, what has happened in the past. Yes. And in my own experience, mm-hmm. um, going you know going into a, a new situation, a new church, a new uh, becoming a manager of a, a set of counselors. Yeah. My my um, strategy was to to watch and see see how things worked first. Mm-hmm. See how the organization worked first see what people were used to first and then mm-hmm. as i saw any need then uh, make changes as necessary as needed not just for the for its own sake not changes for their own sake yeah yeah and i'm, I'm glad you started that way right because this is part of the fallacy of of uh, legacy and and leadership that somehow you know people believe that if you can leave a mark that apparently that's the thing that's the most important thing um Mm -hmm. but the challenge that i have as one who who leads as well is that when you um go into this space this marketplace that somebody else has been um serving in working in directing managing and you get there and it's completely shaped around that person's personality there's Mm -hmm. not a whole lot that you can do with that because it's either you become that or you will, um, you know, experience some of the pushback because now people expect you to be the exact same way. And of course, the challenge is, if that was a good previous leader, then that's a good thing. But when it's when they are not a good leader, and you now have to kind of unfold and unpack all of this thing, you've got some struggles that you got to go through. And I've seen, I've seen both types. I've, I, I, there's a person I know. Who uh, I I just I, I just admire her leadership skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that c- occurred to me as you were just saying that, and that is that um, many times managers would come in and make changes without uh, consultation, mm-hmm. without consultation with the people who are doing the work. And I've yeah. heard this from from my wife who works in a hospital. Yeah, the same thing. Uh, the upper management will will say, well, okay, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, did you ask the people on the front lines? Did you ask them how how things are going? How do they work? Mm-hmm. What's what's needed here? Mm-hmm. So managers become bosses yeah. rather 
resource. Mm. And that, that to me, uh, to me, a manager is the best type of managers are a resource. Mm-hmm. They help the front line. They are an assistance to the front line. They, they provide you with tools and ideas and processes that help the front line, not hinder the front line. And, and a lot of times, some of those changes that are made by managers hinder the operation rather than help the operation. Why? Because they haven't taken the time to, to ask, okay, you're seeing the person uh, you know, that comes through the door. Yes. What is your experience? You're seeing, you know, the, the person at the point of contact with this agency. What what is your experience? What could what could we do to help you? Mm-hmm. No, instead, uh, the manager comes along and says, well, okay, today we're going to do this or we're going to do that because yeah. of some mandate that has come from uh, above, from yeah. senior yes. management. And I'm glad you said that, Heimers, because here's the question then, the million-dollar question for me. Mm-hmm. Who do we hold accountable the face that we see, or do we hold the face that we responsible for this behavior, this kind of boss mentality, this execution mentality? Somebody has to be accountable for it. Where do you put it? Huh. That's a, that's a tough one because uh, a lot of times accountability is expected of the per- person on the front line, mm-hmm. and and less so as you get further up. Now, that's not to say there's no accountability further up. I mean, what tends to happen is the big boss, the yeah. one at the top of the pyramid, yeah. has has his or her way of of uh, dealing with things that they don't like mm-hmm. in 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 middle management. Yes, and uh, so they 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 have their own sometimes brutal ways. Yes, I mean, I I, I come from an organisation. I was talking to. Uh, um, a colleague, a former colleague, mm-hmm. and he was saying that there's a, a I can't mention names, but yeah. there was a particular woman who came in <laughs> to the agent to the organization yeah. and has been brutal in moving people out. And one of the reasons that for that is it it appears that they that this uh, you know senior manager, yeah. uh, CEO, let's let's put it that way, yeah. Um, has a strategy of keeping everybody on their toes by mm. moving people out. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they move them out, get pe- pe- new fresh people in so that there's less challenge to their own, uh, to their own position. Yeah. Um, so accountability, difficult, more difficult at the top. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's as much as I could, could yeah. say on that. Well, I think part of it is too, though, um, I think as managers, leaders, mm-hmm. when you get somewhere, you have to be clear on who you are and what mm-hmm. you bring to the table. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes, um, and I think this is true no matter where you work, sometimes upper management is so far removed from the process. Um, the people on the front lines, like when they see a name that comes up, there's a number with that person or a name But you don't know them. You don't know their family background. You don't know what stage of life they are. You don't know the the struggles. And all you're looking at is there's a spreadsheet because there is a number. And the number is important. But you don't get to the number by sacrificing the people who are on the front lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, uh, you know, I, I can think of examples of people from the ministry. Now, this is not from my own industry, but it's mm-hmm. from, um, from uh, an industry my wife worked in. 
people would come from the ministry to 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 check and see you know to do an audit and right. see mm-hmm. how are things working in this particular agency and so forth yeah and uh, they would swoop in and again no idea mm-hmm. what really works on the front line but yeah. coming with a set of of demands and impositions that they expect yeah. the front line to carry out yeah and uh, sometimes it does it, it makes no sense yeah uh, but again there's le- there's little consultation uh, significant consultation because again, right. you yeah. have this you have this other syndrome where they will ask for your feedback yeah and uh, they don't really take it on i've been asked for i've been asked for my input into five year plans and <laughs> you never you never hear anything else right. about that yeah. that the feedback that you've given you never hear okay what has what is the result yeah. of or everybody's feedback what are people telling us we don't hear we don't hear afterwards yeah, yeah. Uh, after we've been surveyed what they did with that survey yeah uh, so yeah i remember one place where i had said um it would be nice to have in senior management more people more people from minorities mm-hmm. um, more people from the BIPOC, yeah. uh, you know, black, indigenous, persons of color, um, you know, group, yeah. uh, uh, as well as people who are disabled and so forth. Yeah. Uh, I gave that input and I've never heard since, from that day to this. Yeah. I've never heard, well, did, uh, you know, was this put together? You know, what was there? There was no feedback. Let's put sure. it that way. There's no feedback to say, well, this is what people are telling us. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you said that um, because I think that struggle is real at any level of leadership. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that, um, and it's kind of like DEI, right? Diversion, inclusion, equity, you know, that's the big catchphrase. And I believe in it. Mm -hmm. However, what you're looking at is a bunch of organizations, a lot of them, that are Mm -hmm. so um, intent on proving that they don't discriminate that they put a lot of things in place to say these are the optics, but when you really begin to drill down underneath the organization, nothing has changed. So then I want to come back to this question, or you can continue on here, um, because Uh earlier in the conversation you said something about making changes without consultation. Uh Uh How long? Because, you know, part of uh, the good thing of being a leader, a manager, whatever level you're at, You've got to make some changes right away while you are still, and I put it in in, in quotes, um, objective. Mm -hmm. But how much is too much or how much is not enough? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah, that's a a, a tough, you asked some very good questions. (laughs) I'm so glad I don't have to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I personally, I I, I would have to use my own experience. I personally am a a fan of incremental change mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't disrupt things so so badly that you know the situation becomes the you know the process processes become un, uh, un um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, unrecognizable. Mm, okay. You know. So so yeah, I would as I said earlier, I would come in and and get a feel for what's going on. Get mm-hmm. a feel. For how the organization is 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 pr- progressing, mm-hmm. and and then listen to my workers and listen to those people who are who are doing the the frontline, especially the frontline work, mm-hmm. and say, well, okay, well, 
you know, it seems to me that this could be improved or that could be improved. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that's the way I would go about it. So incremental change, I think, for me, is probably um, is probably better than you know a wholesale um, disruptive change. Now, Hunters, and, I, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt you. Um, mm-hmm. But this may be the only place that I might disagree with you, if that's okay with you. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm yeah. not disagreeing mm-hmm. with the the principle of incremental change, but I mm-hmm. think that the environment also dictates how well, quickly. Yeah. yeah. So I want to add that. Mm-hmm. I mean, by way of yeah, context, yeah. I didn't say that when I, I gave the question, because yeah. there there are some places that mm-hmm. cannot stand another day to be that mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. even though it may be disruptive. Um, Mm -hmm. It may create a certain level of angst. Um, Mm -hmm. If you don't make the adjustment sooner than later, it Mm -hmm. may be the the cost of the organization and ultimately Mm -hmm. the people who are on the front line. Because, you know, they're not looking at spreadsheets. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, if if that's the case, and I agree with you that sometimes things uh, have been going so drastically wrong that there needs Mm -hmm. to be, you know, a quick change. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then uh, consultation is crucial. Okay. Getting explain. people together, communication, consultation is yeah. crucial. Yeah. And I, the the one, the best manager that I've ever had was very, very a very, very good communicator, mm-hmm. letting you know what's happening in the in the organization as a whole, letting uh, you know yeah. any any news uh, that, that may affect the organization from mm-hmm. outside the organization. Love that. Um, that person was a a great communicator and and i told i told her to this day i i always tell her i say you are the best manager i ever had yeah somebody who who was knowledgeable and who was able to communicate very very effectively about everything that that, uh, that could possibly impact uh, our group of workers i'm glad you said that um you didn't use the word but i i think i'm hearing you say transparency Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Absolutely. If there is a thing that bothers me when I read about, you know, these case studies, when I see, yes. I'm like, why is everything such a military secret? Yes. yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. To those that are following the bouncing ball, following the market, um, they've got the data, they've gotten, you know, the previous three or four quarters worth of information. The writing is on the wall. You know, it's part yes. of the reasons why people's faces are tense. The door is mm. closed. You've got some visitors coming from outside the stakeholders, and they're here mm. to say, look, either you change or you die. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is it about transparency that leadership doesn't um, buy into so much? I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell yeah. you from my point of view, yeah. and I've seen this from very early on when I was uh, a student mm-hmm. at a college in England. Okay. And uh, I was on part of the student council. Yes. Um, um, when I say student council, it was like the student union, put mm-hmm. it that way. Sure. And um, there was a, a proposal that we were we, we were looking at. Yes. And the president of the student council was saying, "Oh, let's not tell them this or that. Let's let's just go and <laughs> you know, there's a guy on the floor who's, who's going to be a bit troublesome. Let's not tell." Yeah. And I was astounded. Uh, um, I think transparency is the is the right word. Yeah. Um, and I have seen in in my experience leaders who who keep their cards 
close to their chests about anything that you oh. know that, that that they that they are privy to yeah, yeah. um in the in the higher management circles because sure. they sit on they sit on yeah you know yeah. committees about us they sure. sit they sit and they they hear all kinds of things yeah. about the college and things like and but they keep it a secret and i think it's to keep people off balance i think it's because sometimes they are um not sure of their mm-hmm. own there's a word for it and I, I can never remember it but they're mm-hmm. not sure of their own position they're yeah. a little bit they, 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 they're a little bit unsure of themselves and yeah. how well they're doing and yeah. so so in order to keep their head and shoulders above the the you know the other workers sure they keep these secrets so that yeah. they will always be the fount of knowledge sure yeah and you know i gotta tell you as you were saying that I felt my skin crawling a little bit <laughs> because here's the thing, um, because sometimes in terms of getting those that you are leading to respond in a positive way, it comes through the transparency. Like mm-hmm. why not tell somebody or groups of people, look, if we don't begin to adjust in this thing that is measurable, we're going to be out of business in 12 to 14 months. Right, tell somebody right. that. I mean, right. fine, they may quit, right? Mm-hmm. Because they, the mm-hmm. writing is on the wall. But I mm-hmm. think for most people, if they understand why it is that you are giving these drastic or incremental changes, then they can mm-hmm. see that they are a part of the solution and not the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's right. a whole new different um, podcast altogether because yeah. uh, as leaders, we do make the assumption that mm-hmm. for those that are on front line, if they would just comply if they would just do everything I tell you, then this problem uh, would go away and we would be excelling and exceeding. But the truth is a lot of times, um, by way of observation, it's not your frontline workers. They're so into the dark that they assume that as long as they're getting there from nine to five, seven thirty to three thirty, we've met mm-hmm. our objective. And so if mm-hmm. that bottom line is not happening, it can't be us. We're there. So mm-hmm. tell them. Mm-hmm. Just tell yes, them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Just, just let them know. Let them uh, be understand what what else is going on, uh, and and how it fits into the larger picture. I, 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 and that's that's that was a problem I had as a kid. Yeah. Um, doing my, you know, my placement in Ford Motor Company. Yeah. I really didn't know how my little job, mm. which, which which was which was looking. Comparing numbers of uh, optional extras on cars, mm-hmm. how it fit into the wider, the, 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 the big picture. Yeah, and uh, and frankly, there was nobody who kind of took me under their wing and said, you know what, mm. I mean, this is this is how it fits in. This is how you know. And if you do if you do this, then it helps us. Um, yeah, and I was naive back in those days. I didn't ask the questions either, yeah. <laughs> so some yeah. of the blame was on me. But you know what I'm I'm saying. Information is crucial. Yeah. Information is key, and when people understand what's going on, it you have a better chance. When when they understand that you're a resource, a manager yes. is a resource, a leader is a yes. resource, yes, and not a boss. And I make a distinction between mm-hmm. bosses, yeah, and managers who yeah. are a resource. Yes, if if a if a worker understands that you're a resource, you're there to help them. You're there yes. to to guide them. You're there to to give them the resources to help. Mm-hmm. Then I think you get more, and 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 a manager that's compassionate. I I, I have to okay. throw that in. Yeah, please put it in there. Yes, um, in in my experience, I I have determined that compassion mm-hmm. goes a long way. You get more out of people, if I can put it in such crass terms. But you mm-hmm. get, you know, compassion goes a long way. 
Yeah, I can remember a time, by the way, when mm-hmm. uh, a worker came to me. I was a manager in a counseling agency, uh, in a in mental health agency. Mm-hmm. And a worker came to me and said, my aunt has died and I'd like to go to the funeral. Well, we had a policy mm-hmm. that, um, you know, you can only go if it's a close relative, like a mother, father, sister, brother. Mm-hmm. But an aunt, oh, that's the... This, but then he explained to me that this aunt was instrumental in bringing him up. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't just an right, aunt. Right. Um, right. So on that basis, I said, yeah, you go ahead. You go right ahead. Yeah. And uh, you know, take time off. Take the time to go to the funeral and so forth. And that, for me, is a compassionate managerial yeah. practice rather than saying, well, the rule says, you know, <laughs> you can't go and, unless it's a, you know, close blood relative mm-hmm. um and so and i i think that that also highlights you know the difference between laws and the spirit of the law mm-hmm. yeah and I'm, I'm glad you said that but okay so again i want to push back a little bit um, yes, yes because the idea of compassion it has different nuances so I agree mm-hmm. with the example that you've given because, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't fit the letter of the law, but the mm-hmm. compassion of the law, I, I get why you did that. And mm-hmm. then at the same time, I wonder about what that looks like in moments where compassion is, you've got to be a little bit more strong and more forceful in getting mm-hmm. things done. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if you lose your job, and when I say you, I'm talking mm-hmm. about those that you lead along with you as a leader. You lose your job because you're loved and liked mm-hmm. by everybody, but you don't mm-hmm. meet the objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's a little bit of a balancing act between mm-hmm. compassion perceived as well mm-hmm. as compassion that is required in, in, while it's inclusive of being uh, able to hold individuals accountable. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> compassion and love uh, doesn't necessarily mean uh, a free for all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and a laissez faire uh, operation. No, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So, yeah. we did say we were going to talk about tinkering a little bit. Oh, we yes, come yes, back yes, to yes, that, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, please help us to understand what you mean when you say managerial tinkering. What does that look like? Because we're still talking about legacy, right? So, we're talking about compassion, yeah, yeah. we're talking about a bunch of different things. But this tinkering thing, it's its also part of this legacy building. Yeah, I think we've probably uh, already mentioned it, but um, it, it, I think it bears repeating that, uh, you know, a manager will come in and, and they'll, they'll say, okay, uh, it's hard to do this without giving examples and it's hard to give examples without giving away mm-hmm. okay. specific in, in situations. But, you know, a manager will come in and, and uh, require you know, you know, a new process mm-hmm. uh, and without, without, you know, in, enough thought and, and without enough looking at how, you know, industry practices and yeah. what's best mm-hmm. for the, in, for the organization on the ground. Sure. And, and, and they will, they will do this one year and then the next year they will do it something else. And, uh, yeah, and, and you're left floundering because, uh, and, and I'll, uh, one example is that, um, you know, something that would, was working years ago, mm-hmm. 
okay, has yeah. been changed by a manager years ago yes. to something to, to from A to B. Mm-hmm. The new manager will come in and say, oh, I don't like the way B is going. I think we should change. And what they have actually done is they've actually changed it from B back to A. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but called it something different. And called it something different. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, uh, it, it just uh, it just uh, it, it, it 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 baffles. It's baffling. Yes, um, yeah. you know. I wish I could give a, a, a concrete example because <laughs> <laughs> we go. Okay, I remember when I was working at a community mental health agency. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some ministry papers that came out um, based on research that was saying that the best thing to address mental health is one-stop shopping. Mm. A person will come into an agency and this is how it used to, this is how it tends to work where they would come into the agency and if they have, uh, say for counseling, you know, mm-hmm. mental health counseling, yes, and they have a serious mental illness, but then they also have an addiction problem. So we would send them down the road to, you know, addiction outreach. Sure, yeah. When, when you send them out that door, they have all kinds of different thoughts going through their heads and they never get there. Right. They right. never get to the addiction help. Right. Because they had to go out the door and go down the street, think about it and, and say, well, nah, I don't want to need this. Yeah. Now with the one-stop shop in the agency I worked at, yeah. they brought addiction counseling services into the same building as the counseling Field. And so, so if I had a if I had a client that want that had a mental illness, yeah. and now I discover they have addiction issues, yeah. I just walk them down the stairs to the addiction office. Right. One stop shopping. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have been in a situation where in a, in a place where I work, yeah, um, they they hived off uh, disability services mm-hmm. from counselling services. And yeah. so a person had to wander from a counseling office to a disability office, right. see two different people, you know, whereas before, yes. A, yeah. we were doing everything together. Sure. We, 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 in, in other words, we were serving a person yeah. who had a, 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 um, mental health issues and disability issues. Sure. We did that work for them. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Because yeah. I think part of what you're, you're talking about now is this intersectionality, this bridge building and collaboration simultaneously. And I think that that's the thing that's missing, you know, for those that are into this legacy thing, right? And that's why I say it's a fallacy, is that your legacy is never in isolation, right? So no matter how great of a leader that you may or may not be, it comes in connection with other individuals, and you've called them right, as human resources, um, that mm. are helping to support the initiative. But the mm. challenge, Heimers, is the need for the monument. <laughs> and the monument is the metaphor for mm. the, you know, there's a plaque on the wall, you know, mm-hmm. for the great mm-hmm. service. And I wish that when people would acknowledge individuals who have demonstrated a high level of, of execution and leadership on their plaque, put the people that worked with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes. Right? Because yes. at the end yes. of the day, 
show mm-hmm. how you you had different individuals that were supporting you and here mm-hmm. were their skill sets so that when you begin to talk about this thing that will be in the rearview mirror because nothing lasts forever then you mm-hmm. can say well this was the skill set of the person on the plaque but that person was there and this is what they brought to to the table mm-hmm. so that people can mm-hmm. now begin to team build in right. a much more right. intentional way i'll stop there no, no, that, that's 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 excellent um, because very often people are forgotten and 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 they will complain, they yeah. will grumble and say, yeah. you know, this person's taking all the credit, yeah, but we're the ones who did the work, right? You know? Or or even we're the ones who had the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, because the leader has the pen and the ear of those mm. that are a little bit further up the food chain. Timers, you're not going to believe this. Um, mm-hmm. I won't even tell you how much time we've spent already. And I know this won't be the last time you come back, but I do want mm-hmm. you to give us a takeaway, right? So we've talked mm-hmm. about a lot of different things, but as we kind mm-hmm. of focus in on this fallacy or the fallacy mm-hmm. behind legacy, is there a takeaway mm-hmm. that you would like our listeners to come away with um, this go around? Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, and it's been a, a, a big uh, part of my thinking uh, over the years, and that is that leaders need to to help rather mm. than hinder. Mm. Um, they, 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 you know, the the boss mentality does yeah. not really work. Now it may get results, yeah. but if it, it when it does, when the boss mentality does get results, there is there is uh, there's collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are hurt. Yeah. People are left in the wake, eating the the dust yes. of the boss. Yes. Um, and uh, as I say, the best bosses are the ones who take their people with them, who communicate, who uh, who show compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll tell you, the the best boss I had did not take did not take uh, stupidity lightly mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. You know they. They, they did not suffer fools. They did not, uh, you know, for example, there may be people who would uh, hog a conversation yeah. in, in, a, in a meeting. And yeah. the, that boss was very good at shutting them down and, and moving things along. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, I, that, that's the takeaway that, I, that I, I'd, I'd like uh, people to, uh, to, to, to have. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, this boss mentality doesn't, for me anyway, does not work. And maybe um, it doesn't even work in this culture, right? I think the boss mentality, after people become more informed, that thing diminishes. It, it goes into the sunset. And so, you know, you've now opened another can of worms that we'll, we'll get to mm-hmm. next time. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the reality is, I think the, the goal here is, if you're going to set this, le- this legacy it's got to be one of help and not hindrance. Right. I, I think that's what I'm, I'm hearing you say. Because yeah, leadership, you know yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of, and something you said there reminds me of the fact that today, in today's world, there's a lot more information out there oh, that's yeah. available to people. Yeah. Um, for example, if I go to my doctor, yeah. sometimes I've already had a look at my symptoms. Right. I've Googled it. You're much more informed. And and I come and I go to my doctor with a sense of what might be going on. Yeah. And then I want to hear his opinion. Sure. If he now, and I know 
from my from my my parents' uh, experience, you know, the doctor will give them pills and they'll take them home and they don't even know what the pills are, sure. what they do, and so forth. Because mm-hmm. they, there's that old model of the doctor knows best. The boss. He's the boss. That's right. Whereas nowadays you've got more information out there. It's better. And I think people are becoming more and more um, in tune with this idea of being a collaborator. Yes. And not list, waiting for something to, to descend from the heavens. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're a Trump supporter. Sorry. I, <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? resist. Well, oh, no, it's fine. And I'm not edit- editing it out either. So it's okay. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Um, Heimers, I want to say thank you so much um, for joining us. Um, This has been more than insightful. Um, I thank you for your wisdom and your experience and your your openness and your transparency. Um, I hope this is not going to be the last time, right? So uh, just make sure that you stay tuned. And to our listeners, thank you again for joining us. Um, I know this conversation was a little bit longer than we normally do, but this was needed. Like if I tried to cut this shorter, I don't think that they would have gotten you know you guys would have gotten the real big picture of this conversation you know this idea around um, building legacy it has to be in concert with people Uh, the people that you are building with they're also helping you to build something that lasts so you have to honor them by how you treat them but also you've got to give them a name you've got to give those people a name because they deserve to move up they deserve to have an opportunity to lead in another capacity based on your mentorship and their experiences as they learn from, as as you learn from them as well. So until next time, look, if you want to have this conversation, uh, send me an email, uh, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. Um, thank you so much for listening. And again, Heimers, thank you for joining. Until next week, Monday, look, I've enjoyed this today. Take care You're for very now. You're welcome. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.